Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello and welcome to IGN UK podcast number 278. This is definitely 278. Today yes. I'm yeah. joined by Alex Simmons. Ah! Oh, Jesus. Who's very tired today. Yeah. And Rory Powers. Ah! I think mine was louder and better. And my name is Daniel Kruper. Um, no noise? The, well, I think that's enough for There's everyone. There's a noise of sorts coming from yeah, Solidarity. Right? Just know? before we started, we were thinking of what the worst noise we could possibly do Especially Rory's voice. <laughs> oh! Shots fired at the clan MVP right off the bat. Wow, and on that harsh note, um, <laughs> should we segue seamlessly to something equally um, sad and depressing? Um, Silent Hills, the game, and the collaboration between Guillermo del Toro and Hideo Kojima. Yep does not exist anymore. No. Um, Konami are, um, they've already done it, but by the time of recording, they've taken down PT from the PlayStation Store. I know this because I tried to download it uh, in the studio PC today, thinking right. I was going to beat it, because I thought it would uh, would have gone down on the first, like at the end of the month, but nope, apparently it's I wasn't gone. fast it's enough. It's gone. They've um, taken that down. Um, so, bit of context, um, obviously Kojima's having some problems with Konami as an understatement. Over the weekend, a film festival, um, an audience member asked El Toro what the status of the game was in light of those kind of difficulties between Kojima and Konami. He said that it was no longer happening. Again, over the weekend, Norman, Rodri- Norman Rodriguez? That's someone else. Norman um, Reedus? Reedus, yes. Uh, yeah, confirmed yeah. that... He, I, um, I was wondering who you were... That's, actually, that's actually some bloke my mum used to work with. Is it? Yeah, Norman Rodriguez. <laughs> he confirmed that it's not happening. Yeah. He's not in it. He was never in it, though. Uh, so he said that he's not going to be in the game. Right. So this elaborate, brilliant, intriguing teaser for this game that everyone got super hyped about is not happening. No. And Guillermo Dossoro, for the, not for the first time a game that he's involved in not happen yeah. is he ever going to make a video game no I, I would never so. if I was a developer I would never sign up with him because he was initially due to do the insane trilogy with THQ yeah. THQ went the wrong way <laughs> although he kept the rights to insane uh, but obviously that was being developed for Xbox 360 and PS3 probably not coming out now the last, no. last time we heard about that was in 2012 so I can't imagine that's coming out it's slow burn that one, but it's not his fault. I mean, this is not not his own doing. No, but so I, w- I, think I wouldn't see why. It's still a possibility. It's a perception of a curse, maybe. It's, now. Of death. Okay. Yes. Uh, it's, it's a shame because. Um, Guillermo del Toro is a very smart man mm. and he's a very articulate man and he's really good when he speaks about like the history of like popular culture and how, for instance, graphic novels segued from being considered um, kind of lowbrow to being really revered as a meaningful literary form. And yeah. he's, he's made the same case for video games. Yeah. He says, you know, it's going to happen. Non-linear narrative storytelling, which is what games do really well, is something that will increase in importance. And he, taught, he's, he went on Ken Levine's podcast and spoke really articulate about that so he obviously has ideas and really believes in video games as a medium so yeah. it's a shame that we might not be able to see what he would do with it i'm sure he will have another stab at it he's obviously very very keen on yeah. video yeah. games 
I can't imagine that there will be many developers that wouldn't want to work with him. Like imagine like it's him teaming up with like I don't know. Um the I've forgotten the name of the guy that did Resident Evil that just did the uh, Evil Mikami. With him. Yeah, Mikami. Um, be interesting to see that, what that kind of thing would pull together and especially now that video games are becoming well a lot of them are becoming a lot more cinematic it, you could s- you see the possibility in the future where more directors would be pulled in to direct video games yeah so I, think, I, I, I think it's a dual edged sword I think I was excited by the idea of him collaborating with Kojima because I don't because there have been times in the past where I think people who work in film feel like oh I can do a game. That's yeah. easy. Yeah. And when we had Alex Garland in, he made a really good point that um, he was really self-denying and self-effacing when it came to his involvement in Enslaved. Uh, he said, oh, well, I helped out on it. And mm. we were like, me and Chris, Chris was like, would you ever want to like, direct it? He's like, what do I know about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, I love games, but I all my experience is in writing yep. novels or so how, movies. So if you're directing like a video game, how much direct involvement do you have? Do you direct? I should you, really you just direct the animation, or I think it probably the, varies to a degree. I think there's a very um, well-defined role of what a um, director does on a film. I think in a game, it's there's more flexibility because sometimes you have a partnership. Yeah. You'll have a technical yeah. director who will oversee uh, very technical things, obviously, like you know animation, engineering. Like implementing the vision, as it were. Um, mechanics, yeah. Yeah. things like that. And then you'd have a creative director. So kind of the Straley Druckmann model on Last of Us. Mm. And gotcha. you know the Druckmann, the creative director, is more involved in maybe art direction, story, yeah. characterization, oh, stuff like that. Together. But then yeah. you've got someone like Kojima, who I imagine would be across everything. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. But uh, So like one of the things that we were talking about is PT, obviously. How much involvement did those two actually have in that? Yeah, and it, also how much would that have had any resemblance to yeah. the Silent Hills game that yeah. will never now be? Yeah. Yeah, and I know, like, since obviously all this news came out there, there have been a few articles hailing PT as kind of the greatest game that came out last year. I thought it was okay. I thought it was interesting. It was certainly scary. You've, you've got um, it on your I do, yes. Yeah. I think, hopefully sometime this week or next week, I want to put it up on the, the big screen and turn off all the lights. It is really it. good. I want to have the crap scared out of me. It's an interesting concept. Is I've it? heard so much about it and, yeah. and just the the model and the way things unfold in the game. It's just it's a really just, smart little experience. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of, really it's and it's really satisfying. And one of the reasons it can do a lot of things that it does is because it isn't a forty pound big budget game yeah. with a lot riding on it. Yeah. Well, like, it, it could take that one? Yeah. yeah, it's free. Yeah. 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 Oh, it was it, we didn't, nobody even knew it was Silent Hills when it came out at Gamescom. It's like, oh, this PT game's coming mm. out, um, you can get a free trial of it now. Like really yeah. downplaying it. Yeah. Well, that's because I remember talking to uh, the person at Konami and they were they thought that it would take kind of six weeks for somebody to get to the end because there are so many weird ways to finish the I still don't understand the, how I, I did it. I, I don't either. Did you both finish it? Uh, I didn't. Uh, and I was even following step by step on how to do it. And I was just like, I don't understand. But anyway, people did it in like six hours. Konami were really surprised by how quickly. So uh, how long got is the this end. demo then? Because I think really it would short. be about an hour. I think there hour. are six things, six kind of. It's broken into six sections, if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, and the first four are all pretty straightforward in yeah. terms of what you have to do. Yeah. And then the f- uh, the last two are just kind of a little bit, bit like more. I, I don't know how on earth <laughs> you would actually figure out how to do that stuff. I think the way. And in this Silent Hills now, there's something of like James Dean and Kurt Cobain about it, whereas because it died young and mm. it never happened, like people will think it would have been like perfect. Yeah, like you know, on paper, Kojima, Del Toro, 
and PT for it. Now it's like it can never get worse. Yeah. It can never be anything but this great idea. This, yeah. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. And they, yeah. they cut short. And it, yeah, you know what? It probably could have been. But I'm just saying it's like, it's like, I think people will be sad that there's not a Del Toro game, there's not getting this other Kojima game, not getting what people want as in another great Silent Hill game. But, you know, if a lot of the team that made PT are still involved, yeah. there's still hope that we I, could get a really good Silent Hill game. Like, I'm sure that, you know, Konami will work on a Silent Hill game and I don't necessarily... They said they had every intention yeah. to keep going with the with the series. And I don't, I don't think that it's going to negatively impact too much on it. It just doesn't have the same draw because you don't have Kojima signed to it. You don't have Del Toro. Yeah. At I the same one, time, that, yeah. that could, you know, that could have had expectations too high. I think the great, um, so, so Del Toro is always, he's a huge fan of horror literature. Like people say, oh, you're into fantasy. It's like, well, if you went to my library, there'd be one shelf of fantasy books, but I'd have, I have whole walls of horror books. Right. And he's hugely into like Lovecraft. And for years, he's been trying to get a Lovecraft film made, but it's just too expensive. Nobody wants to, but fund like a two hundred million dollar mm. horror movie because mm. they just worry it won't take the money for it. Yeah, reason. yeah, absolutely. But I think he'd be a massive fan of Bloodborne. Yeah, because um, this like not really spoilers, but there's loads of stuff in Bloodborne that was never part of its marketing campaign. Yeah, because we realize in retrospect all that you saw of Bloodborne, all its advertisements, all the artwork really only applies to the very surface of that game. Yeah, there's stuff in there that's pure Delta, like stuff that Del Toro's into. Yeah. So I think you might look at that and go, oh, probably would have made something a bit like that. Yeah. Don't know. But, you know, we will never know now. Unfortunately. Anyway, yeah. anyway so that's gone by the wayside. But Speaking in the last week or so, me and Rory have developed some very excellent survival skills mm-hmm. that Silent Hills could have benefited <laughs> from. Great. Could you have saved Silent Hills? Uh, we saved ourselves. Right. Okay. I think that's probably number one. Should we yeah. clarify what this is? Yes, I think it's a good idea. It's called the so. generation of Z. Or, or Z. If you're or American. Z for no? Z. J. All the Rory's out there. Do you no? say J Z? I say Z. I say Z. Good. Z. Zebra. It's a zebra. Do you actually say Z? Yeah, I say Z. <laughs> you are just a walking paradox. Did you get bullied a lot? No. no. I actually got in trouble for bullying. When I was a kid. Oh, yeah. It's all coming out now. Wow. What did you do? You still seem very remorseful about it. Well, okay. It wasn't like mean bullying. It was when we we were kids. It was nice bullying. It was when it was in primary school. I don't count that. That's just when it scars the deepest. It was. (laughs) It stays with them for that. It was the whole playground was divided between the, the Star Wars kids and the Power Rangers kids. Right. So it was like these two two armies, and I was the the leader of the Power Rangers kids. Were you? I the was. Red Ranger. Yeah, I was the, the Red Green Ranger. And then I don't know what the Star Wars kid. I didn't like Star Wars at that time, but they all loved it. So basically, you know, the bell would ring, and all the kids would go out on the playground, and then just beat each other up for about half an hour, and the bell would ring again, and then we'd all go inside. <laughs> I think I just used to play my Star Wars toys. <laughs> you probably would have. You would have got beaten. You would have got beaten. <laughs> right. Um, um, I, remember when, I remember when I was at school. There was uh, like an urban legend. I don't know if it's true about like some kid playing Power Rangers in in the playground and then dying because someone kicked them in the kidney. Jeez. But I don't know whether I've that's something that's been just that. disseminated to so I mean, people were. I remember that was me. Yeah, that was actually me. This is the story that he's basically <laughs> bad that's true. Yeah, it was just subtle bullying. I, I, like I killed someone by kicking them in the kidney. Actually, L- little Obi-Wan right in the kidney. You should move on just in case that's true, actually. 
Anyway, I don't think- the generation of Z or Z, if you prefer, is a um, this is a really cool thing that we went to. Me, Rory, and Rich went awesome. a few weeks ago, and it is in the East End in London, mm-hmm. um, in Whitechapel, and it's an immersive live theatre experience, and it's really cool. So okay. it's like uh, experiencing the zombie apocalypse in London, right? And with stuff like that, I'm not really one for like audience participation and stuff yeah. like that. But it's actually more like a play. Right. So when you get ushered into a room, there's kind of um, platforms kind of around the perimeter. And some of the main characters, we're not going to go too much into spoilers here, but um, we can talk about some bits in detail. The main characters are kind of um, soldiers, kind of Marines. They're kind of military, like. Military, ra- yeah. yeah just they're like rounded, rounding up survivors. Yeah. And they kind of like move and like manipulate the audience. Yeah. Like crowd control. And they'll like get, get to the edge of the room. So you stand on the platform. And then you kind of watch some of the scenes un- unfold. Yeah. And sometimes there's plants, I think that get pulled out and they have a moment and sometimes it's real people who get involved and we were kind of guided through this so you start off you're just kind of in this big holding area it's it's in this like set of catacombs in um, Whitechapel which is really creepy it was really really creepy and the set dressing is really good there's loads of weird stuff the attention to detail was immaculate we were in this kind of it was almost like a a car park area and uh, they had um, like painted on the walls, like messages like survival, from people yeah. from survived and uh, worn sleeping bags and kind of maps of cities with the thread strings of like all this detail that, yeah. you know, you didn't even have to look at. It was just there to like dress the set, mm. yeah. which was awesome because then it's way more believable. Uh, one of the coolest and most terrifying things was that the guns that they were using actually had blanks in them. Right? Yeah. Like actual blanks. I thought it maybe would be something with this, with they act it with the sound or something to have yeah. a gunshot effect yeah. but it was actual blanks in the guns um, also it's about a thing like where a gun fires like in a film it has a different sound to like in real life it's actually not as spectacular in real life right. but it made you really it's jump. loud yeah, this yeah, is yeah. loud oh, yeah, yeah. it destroyed my ears right. someone um, fired a gun right beside uh, me. me down in Bex and immediately I didn't hear anything in this ear for about a minute it was just oh ringing you had a great time I had a fantastic <laughs> time um, yeah. one, one of the coolest <gasps> things about it zombies zombies and this is one of the coolest things about it and this is where I don't want to go too much in spoilers there's a bit where um, you know obviously early on zombies appear and yep. you all have to like leg it and you get split up right like the, the marines like you go this way you go this way you go this way and what you realise is actually the narrative is splintered Okay. So if you're in a different group, you get to see a different scene unfold, and they all kind of fit together to like f- like filter into the overall storyline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could go like two or three times and get, get a completely a different, different experience, which is quite interesting. And also in your groups that have split, you make individual choices that also affect because we had some choices to make. Yeah. That so would it's have kind of like so. you know, it's a very kind of game kind <laughs> of narrative. Yeah. So that's what I was going to say. Like, how much control? Do you actually have an? Not really. Or are you like, carried along. You're well? carried along predominantly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're kind of like employed to get involved, like certain bits. Like, for instance, Rich was told to. Um, <laughs> they loved like, Rich. Rich did loads of stuff. He <laughs> saved us. Every he, room they would go into, they'd be like, "Someone in the crowd, you!" And they'd like pick Rich, and it would be like his third time. Was he like, there going? Pick me. <laughs> It, and he was like, mate, guys, guys, I've got this. It's like barricaded door and stuff. He was like, oh, it was amazing. We got it. We got it all. Um, I had a GoPro with me, so we, we managed to capture some of the Yeah, we're going to put a, a video up on the site next week showing yeah. you a bit of it. But like, um, just like, there was also one woman I knew, like a friend of a friend, and she was there. And she said um, she got blood spattled over her, which was yeah. nice. I was pretty. There was a warning when you go in that you might get covered in blood. I'd be quite unhappy. But it washes out. Yeah, I'd still be quite unhappy. Well, that's the thing that you yeah. would be in real life, wouldn't you? 
Yeah. Yeah, but I wouldn't, you so know, if similar. I've got my new trainers on or something like that, I'd go nuts. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot that. You, you, you'd take the zombie aside and you'd be like, hang on a second, hang on. Now this I'm isn't angry. okay. You're going to have to wash this up. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, it's really good. And if there's ever a zombie apocalypse in London, I think it's probably the best way to prepare for that. I was uh, really... There were specific times where I almost kind of forgot that it was a performance. Like, my mind got yeah, so caught up in it. Yeah, you killed that man. I did, yeah. Yeah. That was a yeah. bit, but we went to the So, in light like, of... I just punched him in the face. In so light hard. of Rory's intervention, the generation of Zed apocalypse has changed uh, to a degree. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's running until the 5th of July, and you can book tickets online. Just search for the generation of Zed apocalypse. I don't know. I think it's like 20 to 30 pounds, something like that. And it lasts for how long? About an hour and a half. Yeah, it was it was quite long. Okay, and it's good as well. You actually um, the characterization is quite nice, and they have like uh, conversations that are quite heated, and you kind of learn a little about about yeah. each individual it's character. It's quite fun and creepy, and it's kind of good. silly at the same time, but yeah. knowingly silly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's really good. I think my favorite point was when we was really tense. We were all walking through this room, and I had my my uh, the GoPro, and I was filming, and I wasn't really looking where I was going, and I backed up and slammed into a table and uh, all the plates fell off the side and me and everyone in the circle around me were just like oh Jesus and we completely freaked out and then I was like it's fine it's I fine it's just plates. yeah they thought of, I, I was part of the act and it was just me being a dumbass and walking into the set uh, if you want to go with Rory to the generation of Zed, um, you can contact him on Twitter. Rory has powers. I won't punch you. And he'd be well, he'd be, he'd be well up for bullying you while I'm um, getting yeah. attacked by zombies. So, um, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Um, earlier today, we had a guest in. Um, Mr. Kit Harrington came mm. in, Jon Snow, to talk Jon Snow. Yeah, so me and Gav sat down with him. And we talked he about sat his- on my very chair. He, did, he didn't know, bless him. So he didn't know that he was in the, in the big he? chair. The big man's chair. I can feel where his cheeks have indented this seat. What's that, what's that like for you? Tight buns. <laughs> That's what Egret said. Um, so here he is. He's um, talking about his new movie, Spooks, The Greater Good, which is out on the 8th of May. So joining us today is Mr. Kit Harrington. How are you Hello. doing, sir? I'm very good, thanks. How's it, how's it like being back in London? It's lovely. It's really lovely. I'm sort of... All over the place at, yeah. at the moment, promoting this or that, or doing this or that, which is great as well. But that was a big reason I wanted to do this film. Actually, was, yeah. was that it filmed in London, and I could wake up in my own bed, and yeah. and also I could be in my own city and do a, do a film that sort of almost promoted my own city. Really. What's it like promoting stuff? It's like obviously this is brilliant. Like, yeah. this, this is like the best one. But like last week, um, obviously the Avengers junket took place, and God, they must that, have to go all around the world. They went going around the world, and obviously there was that thing on Channel Four where Robert Downey Jr. worked out like what's how. Is it quite a boring part of the kind of process doing the press? Kind of. I don't blame Robert Downey Jr. for walking. No, not at all. We not were, because of what was asked or said. Really, just because. For something like the Avengers, the press, the amount of press those yeah. guys must have to do on a long, away from their families and for long periods of time, and then someone asks a difficult question. It's been a long day. I think yeah. they're kind of within their right to go. Do you know what? I've had enough. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. All right. Really hope that's enough. Yeah. Well, the last time in, <laughs> yeah. in in Spooks, you know, it is shot in London, and you spend a lot of time sort of running around a London that is going to shit, really. So it must be nice mm. to be back, and it's actually quite sunny and stuff. Yeah, well, we shot this sort of this time last year, and it was it was just nice to be in my own city when the sun was out and running around the rooftop of National Theatre with a gun. Um, so you've always wanted to do. We shot a lot of this in a kind of guerrilla style way. Actually, yeah. I remember there was one bit where I had to run through Heathrow. Yeah. 
with a gun. Uh, and it was through members of the public and everything. And really? I, I was turning to the first AD and saying, now, are you sure well, that gonna... the police know what's going on? Because I'm pretty sure here there's a shoot-to-kill policy yeah. if someone's got a gun in an airport. And they were like, it's fine, don't like, worry Yeah, about it's it. probably all right, don't worry it's about fine, it. It's fine, yeah. Fine. Um, I was a bit Gavin, nervous, but... Gavin rang him up last week. He said, <laughs> yeah. they, they said, fine, any problem, speak to Big Dave. Yeah, yeah. let me just check on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fine, yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's quite a lot of stuff like that. There's a bit with the umbrella shop, which used to be right next to our old office. You can yeah, see the old IGN yeah. office. And, yeah, it just looked like people in the background, they were all just real people. Like You were just shooting it on the fly, sort of. Yeah, we didn't use... That was quite nice about this film, actually. We didn't use many extras. Sort of, they'd set a camera up somewhere, and you'd have to... Every now and again, I'd get recognised or something, which would be a bit annoying. There was yeah. points when we couldn't lock off streets, and I had a... A film out at the time where I was all over buses, so you okay. just see my my face go past in the background. They'd have to call cut. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome the first couple of times. It wasn't after that. What was that for Game of Thrones? That was for Pompeii. Pompeii. Uh, okay. I was all over buses, like scantily clad. <laughs> And then oh, I was pretending to be a spy and my face goes past the back. If you're with mates and that happens, you just go, oh, that's, who's that? That's me. Oh, what? <laughs> Don't worry this about is it. a bit weird because actually our meeting room, I should say, um, we have a massive picture of your face in our meeting room. Yeah. Right. That's John Snow. Okay. So it's a bit weird. It's a bit like being in a strange meeting right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, I just like, do you ever get over that? Like just. You see, get over it remarkably quickly. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of thrilling the first time you see your face on a poster, and yeah. then after that, it's it's it just I don't know fades into the background. It's kind of cool, yeah. You know, always if there's a new poster, I'll take a photo of it just yeah. so when my career's hit the skids, I can remember the good old days, <laughs> the glory days. The thing that I really liked about Spooks because obviously, like in spy thrillers and things like that, you have these like huge scenes, um, and there was a scene that I could really sort of empathise with because it's happened to me. Like I've been in the wrong terminal. Where I've needed to like get to another part of the term like really really quickly, and yeah. I thought I can I know how hard that is because I've gone through the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's the kind of depth we explored <laughs> in this film. Um, no, it was yeah, it, but it was it was thrilling working mm. in Heathrow. Again, difficult because every you can't shut down Heathrow, so you had every now and again you had. Ding ding! The plane to Madagascar is. You just nail that tape seriously, and you just had to stop and then continue. And there were there were there were aspects of this film that were very tough to shoot, but I mm. think it brought a sense of kind of a sense of realism to it. Walking through real London streets with real people. Yeah. Do you um, even get that thing? Like we shot some stuff around London, and you, wherever you are in London, there's like some guy just knows when there's a camera and filming, and they come up and go, "Have you got a permit?" Like we always get yeah. that. Who's I, that guy? Who is that guy? <laughs> like, I don't think he's a proper person. Yeah. No. Do you even get that? I think imagine. I found that they were very. I found we were very. What I found, I thought there was going to be more people yelling or trying yeah. to get in camera yeah. or being really like ir irritating. But I found the general public very respectful of filming <laughs> etiquette. Yeah. They'd stand and watch. Yeah. And the first says, "Okay, rolling, quiet, please." And everyone... It's very British, isn't it? Yeah, it's very British. We just <laughs> sit and watch and then little applause. Well, at the end, oh, yeah, it did so well. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I only had a good experience with it. Like, how did you, like, come to this? Like, were you a big Spooks fan um, before you had the movie? I wasn't. Um, and it's quite important to say I wasn't, you know, not because I didn't like it. I just never really watched it. Mm. I'd seen one um, episode way back when it nearly first started it's like 2002 it was, like we're all yeah. roughly the same age like we're like kind of just post 9-11 which yeah. is what's really interesting about Spooks it came along at the time and, and tackled issues right from the start of our 
of 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 that post 9/11 period mm. um, when the Secret mm. Service went into overdrive, um, and it's grown up. I've grown up with the current news stories and spooks in the background yeah. trying to emulate them. But I came to it as a sort of clean with a clean slate really yeah. I didn't know a huge amount about it and I think that was important for Barrett the director and the producers is that actually I was bringing something hopefully fresh to it a, a new face and, and, a, and a fresh start with a movie I always thought it was quite a good like British counterpoint to 24 we started around the same time in the aftermath yeah. of 9-11 yeah. and you know tackled it in the, they had this extreme character and that's kind of how America reacted to 9-11 they suspended yeah. laws they twisted laws yeah. and that's kind of what the Jack Bauer character faced every week is like how far would you go to stop something like this happening again yeah. whereas Spooks was a more subtle variation of that a more British take on mm. it and Peter uh, is really the kind of Jack Bauer yeah. Yeah. he's the one that makes the t- really tough decisions and sacrifices people's lives to save that's why it's called the greater good to save yeah to save more people, but we do like sort of we do tackle the issue of how do you make those decisions. How, it feels how like the dynamic of the film. Like I again, I didn't really watch Spooks, but it felt like almost a passing of the torch to your character without going into specifics. Like your character is brought into the film, um, into a world he's been away from for a while, but it's kind of setting up for you to like take on that mantle and yeah. towards the end. Is that something was discussed when you took the project about maybe this becoming a kind of a uh, running series because spy films in general, kind of have multiple instalments. They kind of go born, bond, and so on. I think it was briefly discussed. I think they, they're taking it one step at a time with yeah. this. They had a very successful TV series over 10 years, and they felt it lended itself well to film. But whenever the idea of sequels has come up, it's just been, let's see how this one does at the box office, let's see if people are still interested in spooks, if yeah. people are, are wanting to go and see it, if they're interested in this very specific type of... Um, British spy thriller that isn't Bond, that isn't Born, that isn't Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, that's a kind of amalgamation of lots of different things. Mm. Um, and I'm, I think they will be. I, th- I really hope they are because I think it is unique. I think it, it, it does have a place that can be filled and that people want to see, I think. That's really good. Um, so obviously we have you in talking about spooks but there's no possible way that we could have you in and not mm. talk about Game of Thrones oh Game of Thrones <laughs> yeah it's alright isn't it Game yeah. of Thrones. <laughs> it's doing alright yeah, yeah. It's, on, it's on right now so what is it like how does your life change when Game of Thrones when a new series comes out it still gets quite intense when a new series is out you know sort of the, there's a great awareness around Thrones when we've got a when a, when a series is currently airing mm. and you palpably notice it on, on the streets you know more people kind of recognise you or come up and say hello and yeah. how much they're enjoying it. And that's great. That means people are watching it and people are still loving it. Um, it's, you know, it's it, it's a huge part of my life. Mm. It's been a huge part of my life the last few years. And and I, I dearly love doing it. It's quite interesting walking into Spooks after, you know, while currently experiencing a TV show which has become a hit or is doing well. Yeah. Entering a film, you know, a film of a fran- you know, of a franchise that did just that. Yeah. Working with Peter, who developed a character over ten years, as I'm currently developing a character over now five years. Yeah, is a there's interesting parallels, um, and it was one of the things that drew me to Spooks. Um, but no, it's it's been an intense ride with Game of Thrones. It's mm. is it nice to return to Game of Thrones? Because obviously, family, it's an ensemble piece. You've done it for several years. Whereas doing stuff like this, Pompeii, you're putting yourself like front and center, and mm. you're putting yourself out there more. Like, 
is that stuff that's coming to you, those kind of offers? Are you pursuing that because you want to have this kind of independent career to Game of Thrones? I'm just trying to do what I kind of want to do, first and foremost. To be in, yeah. Not trying to do roles to shape a career in a certain way. Um, I take each year at a time and I'm part of this wonderful ensemble that is Thrones. I have a family that I go back to. I have a great sort of comfort, a great security blanket with Thrones as far as keeping my profile up. And it means I can go off and do the things I want to do. Um, I I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I don't think I'll be able to really really assess what Thrones meant to me until it's over for me yeah. and and can't tell you when that is <laughs> obviously like there's so much like secrecy that surrounds Game of Thrones what's it like for you guys when you get like sort of new scripts and you just go oh shit that's gonna happen like that must be pretty exciting it's it's pretty cool yeah because you the first time you read a script is like the first time you're you're kind of going to be experienced what the audience experience yeah. when they watch it so by the time now when it's coming out I'm like was that all as good as I thought it was when I yeah. first read it but I remember reading this season and thinking there's some holy shit moments there's yeah. some there's some really jaw dropping moments that okay. come towards the end of this season that, uh, if, we've, if we've done them justice on in front of camera they, they could be quite groundbreaking mm-hmm. um, there's definitely one moment uh, which I don't know uh, which comes later in the series um, which is I kind of think going to be quite controversial quite difficult to watch okay so there's lots to lots to follow with it yeah mm. and can you break down that scene sort of frame by frame for us that scene <laughs> right now <laughs> if you want to act it's out scene I wasn't it. involved in oh really okay. Okay. that's the cl- only clue I'll give you so you get uh, so, so I haven't seen you're it. not just getting sort of Jon Snow's pages then you're getting are you, do you get sort of everything or do you I get, get I get I mean nowadays I think it's only certain cast members who get the full scripts through okay. everyone the rest of it's quite secret, secret bit, yeah. Yeah. it's principal cast members and and um, who get those the whole thing through I didn't read the whole thing, thing this year yeah this year's very secret. We had to hand back in scripts. We had to really? hand back in. Yeah, because it's. I mean, one thing gets leaked. Yeah. You know, this the, the yeah, first four episodes, episodes got leaked, of course. Yeah. Um, which it means there's a there's a huge amount of interest around it, and, and yeah. we have to. We just don't want. It, I just desperately don't want it to be spoiled. For yeah. Yeah. I don't want the temptation to be out there to read about what's going to happen. Yeah. Because uh, it it ruins it for people. And that, yeah. You know. Spoilers are such a massive thing now as well. Like, is that a thing that obviously you guys are aware of? But do you guys, if something is spoiled, like the first four episodes, or if you know people are spoiling like uh, huge plot points, does that frustrate you as well? I get quite fierce now with when I'm doing a junket with Thrones, and a journalist will try and trip me up, right? Because it's and not in a jokey way, but literally yeah. genuinely try and trying trip to get me, me out. out, try and get that thing that they can pop because it's not, it's just to get. It's for their own benefit, and it's yeah. for everyone else's. Um, it, it'll ruin it for everyone else. And yeah. I, I don't. I think there's ways of asking questions. There's ways of um, of uh, interviewing someone to get a really interesting interview without yeah. spoiling anything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, which is what we're literally trying to do right now. Yes, <laughs> and you're doing very well. We're doing it in a very interesting way. But how long? What's the moratorium on spoil, spoilers? Do you think? How long does time have to pass before it stops being a spoiler? Because we like cover popular culture, games, yeah. TV, and there's always that tension. We have to cover it and keep up to date. At the same time, you realise the way that people consume media today is 
sometimes they might wait for the box set. So it's yeah. like, when does something cease to be a spoiler? I try. I personally try not to assume that anyone's watched any season. Okay. So when asked what my favourite moment of any season yeah. was, I'll try not to pick a spoiler. Episode one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll say we're like we're in the yard. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that memories. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try and do that. But you're right. I think you can't just hide. You can't talk interestingly about yeah. the project you're in. Yeah forever without telling you know a crucial part of yeah. a certain seasons so um i think I, it's usually a, it's usually without without spoiling major bits if people haven't caught up to it yet i assume yeah. that they're not going to watch it yeah I try, for a while anyway yeah I, I i mean i always like almost spoil things for people but just from like enthusiasm like we were on a flight yeah. back from poland recently and there was a girl sitting next to me who was watching literally the red wedding episode and it yeah. got to the point where as, as they were going down but no no I'm not saying but it got, it got uh, to the warning. point where something was about to happen and yeah. that's when they said oh everyone shut down your laptop she put her laptop down she had no idea what was coming I was like do you know what happens in this episode it's the first time you're watching this she was like yeah it's really good isn't it I was like don't stop the <laughs> like, they were yeah. literally walking out telling people to shut their laptops and stuff I was like oh my god you're going to have the worst time when you get out this flight <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah I mean it's been difficult with, with Spooks because I didn't watch the series so yeah Trying to explain the plot to people while not while not telling them who dies in, yeah. in the film and uh, I'm I'm an absolute expert at it with Thrones now because yeah. yeah. I'm in dance one well. of the old guard in Thrones which feels weird to say yeah <laughs> yeah you won the lucky few I'm do you know what I figured out the other day from the pilot mm. the only people still surviving are me Sansa I'll do, I'll do character names yeah. yeah me Sansa Arya. Um, Bran, uh, um, Cersei, Tyrion, Cersei, and Jamie. Yeah, is that it? That's it. It's an elite club. That's all from the pilot. That's yeah. all. Do you guys ever go out as that elite club? Like, just go out on the town, and be like, no, yeah. "Sorry, you can't yeah. come. You can't yeah. come out." Sorry, Sean. No, no, no. He's not dead. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're not showing you yet. We need to speak to George uh, when you can be part of the seven. It's, yeah, it's it's mad that and yeah. seven kingdom, seven people, and you, we may even lose more this year. Yeah. yeah. Do you actually have any content? I mean, obviously, the producers talked to George R. R. Martin. Mm-hmm. Is it? And you guys ever have any contact with him? Like get his blessing initially or do you see him much or speak, do you see him he's very busy nowadays yeah. he's trying mm. to write those books and I've never seen a, an author with a sort of manager or publisher on their shoulder right. literally following them everywhere but that's now what George has yeah, that's the world yeah. he lives in now because yeah. it's and it must be incredibly tough I think as a writer that you've, mm. you've nurtured these things over years and years and you don't want to do them injustice by hu- hurrying them or rushing them and you want to live your life as well, and yet a whole global audience is waiting on your next book, yeah. and you have someone on your shoulder tapping you, going, "It needs to be written," and that's a, a story age old, and it's happened yeah, to writers yeah. all along. But I think it must be difficult writing under that pressure. It must yeah. be incredibly. Difficult. I watched a great um, interview that he did at Google, where he said that pretty much as soon as it was a popular TV show, he stopped reading anything about it on the internet. Yeah, because yeah. he could feel it kind of um, unconsciously influencing him. Yeah, yeah. and he didn't yeah. want to realise that obviously he's seeded things throughout the books, mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to read that somebody's worked out what he's done, and then that maybe makes him second guess his plan and yeah. he's the anxiety of influence because of everyone watching it so he's yeah. aware that there's a huge interest yeah. but he's not really like he's like shutting he has it off. to stick to his original yeah. plan because he's, he's left clues through the books yeah. and just because someone's worked it out 
was taking the time yeah, to work yeah. it out, which is bizarre. It's um, I think it, it, it you know, I, I, I think he has to kind of he has to stick to what he to what he originally laid out, yeah, I definitely. guess, and that's why he's avoiding it all. It's a bit like I I have to, I avoid reading things about myself on the internet or about the character or anything mm. because I that could inadvertently influence how I'm trying to play him. I guess so, yeah. If someone says, oh, he's a bit too like this, I'm like, okay, well, I've got a bit more like that. And yeah. Actually, that's not my original plan for the character. That's not how I saw him mm. developing over the years. And there's a few things about Jon Snow that become, like, iconic certain phrases and, mm. like, the... In some ways, have any of those things ruined your life? <laughs> the kind of the, you, you know nothing, Jon Snow. Does, like, does that happen a lot? It does. Or are people more respect? It does. It does. <laughs> I'm so intrigued by that sentence. Because yeah. <laughs> I've, I've never really known what it means. It's like the worst insult in the world. You yeah. know nothing. Like, great. Yeah. <laughs> you that, not, not do better than that one. Like, yeah. like filming must have finished that day. That's good though. Not knowing yeah. what that had spawned. It's such a important phrase in the books. Yeah. It's said and said and said that it was always going to be a bit of a catchphrase. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's sort of, I think it will. I'm just waiting for whatever the next next catchphrase is that comes up. <laughs> it's like, please let there be another one because yeah. I've had enough of you. Know nothing, John Snow. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you usually tend to get from people who come up to you? Are usually just, quite respectful. It's very respectful. It's very enthusiastic. People always kind of digging for crazy stories about fans and actually quite nice there aren't many people yeah. are generally very enthusiastic and nice and lovely and yeah. aren't I got once I got recognised from doing this oh in, yeah in Marks and Spencer's quite with, disturbing, with my girlfriend it? and I was quite chuffed about that he asked for a selfie which my girlfriend took using an iPad okay. and it was just weird because initially I thought afterwards I was really worried that I was really maybe rude to him I was like, oh, was I not nice? I think I was. Yeah. And then it's like weird, that interaction that somebody you've never met thinks they know you really well. Yeah, that must be yeah. really hard because then they go away with this story and if they've got a story that that becomes, like if you just happen to be like coming out of your house you just have or a bad day. had a bad day. I mean, I like it so much. I walk around in the same clothes as I wear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah, I like. I, I just London. like. Hey, look, it's me, guys. <laughs> just, he's standing next to the poster at Oxford Circus. Right? Yeah. Oh, oh, this old what, thing. This? Oh no. Oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but you kind of like played into certain aspects of the character. Recently, you did the yeah. sketch, the dinner party sketch. On yeah. My yeah. yeah. Um, does that have to like get greenlit by anyone, or are they happy? For yeah, you to, it has like, to. Yeah. I think most things that we do, publicising the show or about the show. Um, go through HBO to make sure they're happy with it because yeah. it's their franchise, it's their baby, and uh, uh, yeah, so things do have to get green it. But it, it, it's also you don't want to ruin the character for people by yeah. taking the piss out of him too. Yeah, much. bring yeah. reality with it. I was uh, that that sketch I really liked. I thought it was very funny. It was, very funny, it, was, yeah. it, was it was a great um, a great kind of comic device. Yeah. Um, but you don't want to you don't want to dress up as the character in com- comical situations all the time. Otherwise, that sort of muddies who they yeah, are. Yeah, I guess so. So it's few and far between. I'll be doing those. Things. <laughs> I like the pancetta line. Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> What's this pancetta? Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, you filmed quite a lot of scenes with quite a lot of people. Who are, who are your favorite people to film with on Game of Thrones? Um, John Bradley, who plays Samwell, okay. is, is one of my very closest friends in the world. Mm. Um, and I um we I think I like filming with people who take their work very seriously, who are open to discussion about the scene 
but don't live in their character and and aren't aren't constantly quite distant on set. I like to have fun at work. Like yeah. anyone wants to have fun at work. And me and John have a great time and know when to be serious and when not to. And, yeah. And he's um he's one of my closest buddies. Um Alistair Thorne, Owen Teal, is uh about as far from his character as you can possibly yeah. get. He's a That's interesting. Big Welshman and very, very funny. Yeah. I, those are those are the people I I, yeah. I hang around. Those are the people I spend all my time with and yeah. that I love. And and then there's all the people, all the guys that you don't see. Yeah, see uh, yeah. Have you ever been to King's the crew. Have you ever been to that location? No, in Dubrovnik. No, yeah. I once we filmed in a studio and I once um, snuck into a big banquet scene, <laughs> like because we they really? were filming next door in my okay. cloak and sat down. Are you, can you? Can you spot you on screen? No, like, no. I think either they edited it out, <laughs> yeah, or they just didn't use that take. Oh my god! If somebody found that, they would have thought I, this. I know. Huge. I was a bit naughty. Yeah, I, I just probably ruined a whole shot there. <laughs> and people are like, really reading into it. What's this mean? Yeah. And all the background, all the extras were like, thought it was hilarious. Yeah. And I was like, I could get fired for this, <laughs> or get someone fired for it. If yeah, you're in there. Yeah. You've come so Game of Thrones. You're part of a, like a massive ensemble that, but you know, you've been there from the beginning. Whereas yeah. you're coming in, you're coming into Spooks. Mm. You know, into another massive ensemble who work together quite a lot. Like, was it hard being the new guy? Or I was welcomed in with open arms by Peter, um, who is Mr. Spooks, mm. and by the producers and by the director Barrett, who's known the series for a long time. And I never, you know, I didn't feel too much pressure. I, but it was it was interesting. It was an interesting parallel, working in Thrones, mm. uh, in a very successful franchise, to coming into one. It yeah. was it. There was a definite. Um, I, I I now definitely do make a real effort with new actors coming into Thrones yeah. to be welcoming. Um, as if I didn't before, but I did before. Yeah, I was an absolute <laughs> dick before. Um, no, but it, it, it's. You know, I, I am nervous about mm. it coming out and Spooks fans not enjoying it as much as the series. Yeah. I can't say that that doesn't play on my mind because it does. Um, but I'm I'm happy with it. I think it's a great film. I, I think it it's very true to Spooks and it's also its own thing. It's quite a hard thing to do, obviously, to appeal to those fans. But yeah, obviously, you're going to go and reach a much bigger, newer audience mm. by having mm. a theatrical release. So quite difficult to get it right to like appeal to the kind of loyal... It's very difficult getting a like TV to yeah. film transition. Yeah, it's many times failed, and we're hoping this doesn't. Um, they they had a, they they threw everything at it. They had a much bigger budget, and they and they went full on with this. And I think I think it works. And it just we just have to hope that the that it attracts not only the Spooks fans but a new audience. And yeah. if it does, then there's a future for it. So we'll just see. Yeah. With Game of Thrones, like you know, how aware do you read the books at all, or do you sort of have to keep that a little bit separately and sort of have to have your own thing? I read the books yonks ago now, okay. and I chose actually not to read the fifth book. I was going to, and then I feel the, the the TV show is a different thing from. I'll go back and read the books when I finish. Yeah. Okay, but I feel that the the TV show is a different thing. They're diverging a lot. The yeah. books now and and. Maybe the character in the books won't necessarily help me with the one I've developed. He's still fourteen, fifteen in the books. It's a big difference. And yeah. As long as I've got the bare bones of the character George wrote, yeah. and I'm still true to 
the one I developed right at the start, then I, I think I, the going to the books could could be misleading for me. Yeah. Um, you said that obviously it's difficult going from TV to film, and obviously Game of Thrones is on TV, but mm. that kind of HBO production, similar with like the Netflix productions, it's almost weird to think of that as TV. Do you think there would ever be a Game of Thrones movie, or because of the production values, it's like there's no point really? I think it's possible. I think it lends itself very well to the big screen thrones. They, yeah. they put it out on IMAX, yeah. and apparently it worked. It worked surprisingly well. And whenever I've seen premieres, it's been on a big cinema screen, and mm. it has felt like it belongs there. I can't tell you whether they'll ever do that. I can't tell you whether they ever want to do that. Yeah. Um, they wrote it as a TV show. It was always a TV show, and David and Dan felt it, it lent itself very well to episodic storytelling. Mm. And um, I don't know. It's, if, if they want to throw millions and millions of dollars at a two-hour movie in the future, I think it would have to almost be the climax of yeah. something rather than a whole series yeah. squished down into two hours. Yeah, yeah. make a lot of sense. I almost feel like they should use cinemas for like other things. Like sometimes, like when the World Cup's on or like yeah. Wimbledon, they use cinemas as a way to like watch sport. Like I would definitely buy like a season pass for Game of Thrones and go weekly and see it at the cinema at a certain time. I think it'd be a great way idea, to yeah. see Game of Thrones like I think on the big screen each week. I think it's not long before that happens. Yeah, and I think it will happen in smaller cinemas first, and then bigger cinemas yeah. will catch on because it's. It, you know the, the movies are changing and TV's changing and and they're merging in many different ways. Yeah, and I think the the desire to go to the cinema is you know is is about seeing experiencing something. And Thrones, I think, lends itself very well to that experience. Yeah, why hasn't that happened already? That's a really good idea. Well, well done. Not in charge. Aren't Let's it? do that. Not in charge. Start a business. Make it happen. <laughs> Not in charge. You say like obviously you have to keep yourself away from rumours and stuff like that but uh -huh. there is uh, there's a big rumour on the internet that uh, that people have sort of tried to piece together mm. that you're actually not the son of Ed Stark you're the son of a Targaryen mm. and that if that's true you've got quite a big sort of stake in the throne like you yeah. would you be up for that? <laughs> I I know what John knows okay yeah isn't nothing <laughs> I know I know I know what John knows which is that his father was Ned Stark, yeah, and that um, when his father died, any hope of knowing who his mother was died with him. Okay, so he's northern, um, and I thought you said he's northern. And he's northern, <laughs> like that's what happens to all of us. It's just he's northern. That's the narrative. Um, so I don't ever speculate. Yeah, I don't ever think about it. I don't ever theorise. Some of the cast do. I don't. Yeah, I, to it's be honest, I've Thrones takes up so much of my brain space that theorising <laughs> about who my mother or parents are, <laughs> would drive me insane Do you ever go come to bed with, every night thinking about it no. yeah. you're not going to come up with ideas and be like George I got a wicked idea for what should happen to no. my guy no 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 no, no absolutely not <laughs> I, oh. I never even talked to George about Game of Thrones yeah I, I, or David and Dan yeah it's, none of us you know we have little theories we don't yeah. spend so much time talking about Thrones of course it's yeah, not yeah. gonna not gonna, yeah. not gonna do it in our free time yeah so I mean away from Game of Thrones and away from Spooks then mm -hmm. what you know what kind of stuff are you, are you into like did you, have you seen the new Star Wars trailer did you watch that uh, I saw the first one with okay. the with the sword with the the you know the hilt thing, the hilt yeah. thing. Yeah. that was awesome yeah um, I'm looking you know I, I wouldn't profess to be a massive Star Wars fan mm. but I think that it's J.J. Abrams isn't it I think yeah. that's gonna yeah. be a, I think that might be a really I love what he did with Star Trek, because yeah. I was a big Trekkie. Okay, cool. And um, so I'm, I'll, I'll go and see that. I think that could be really good. Star Trek reboot is really good as well. 
Like yeah. it's similar, it's almost similar to Spooks. Like you, you taking something that people know for a long period of time, and you mm. try to launch it to a much wider audience and bring them in. Yeah. And my mum's a huge Star Trek fan, and we went mm. to see it, and he just nailed it because it was like it was doing something quite dangerous by basically saying everything you know about the show that loved all those characters don't exist anymore. Yeah. But then rebooting it, but it kind of worked. Mm. Yeah, I, I um, I really, I really like the Star Trek movies. I um. I don't know. I'm I'm a bit of a. I, I quite like futuristic shit. Yeah. So yeah, I'll go and see Star Wars. How about video games? Did you play games at all, or do you just not have time? Yeah. Um, we were talking about video games on the way in the car here. Actually. Really. The last ones I really got into were, and I'm about to buy a um, new house and a TV, mm. and I'm uh, I'm thinking about installing an old N64. Nice. Mario Kart and Goldeneye. Awesome. Yeah, That's really but cool. I'm a FIFA guy. But yeah. I, I'm not a first player shoot 'em up. No, the minute it started turning into that, I couldn't you do lost it. it. Yeah, I couldn't turn and go up and down. I, no, yeah, massively disappointing. But I'm, you know, I'm not. A, I'm not a huge gamer. No. Yeah. So I mean, what kind of other stuff? You know, are you watching anything on TV at the moment? Do you watch? Do you get time to watch other TV shows, or are you just sort of work mode all the time? I'm. I'm need to. At the moment, I'm. Re-experiencing re- re- going back to the theatre, having been out of London for a long time, okay. not being able to get tickets for stuff. Yeah, I'm finding it difficult to watch drama at the moment. Mm. Um, spending so much of my time promoting it or being in it. Yeah, I, quite actually, a lot of serious stuff as well. Yeah, I I, quite, I love documentary, mm. so I'm because um, it kind of takes me out of things, and there's a great crossover happening in documentary at the moment, which is that it's turning into into drama in yeah. a way. whether it should or not is another thing but yeah. if you've seen The Jinx I, mean, I was going to ask just you literally I was about to say The Jinx don't tell me anything I'm on episode yeah. 2 it's not funny yeah. like spoilers, spoilers yeah. in a documentary Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I don't know whether I totally agree with that way of documentary film well I think there's some stories about how they've made that as well and yeah. how they like held stuff back and were, yeah. it's quite less than honest in, yeah. Yeah. in its construction yeah. It's that sort of thing around like Catfish as well. Mm, Catfish yeah. is a great documentary, but you were like the first twenty minutes. Yeah, sort of how much of this is genuine and how yeah. much is. But that that's great crossover. Like, yeah. I remember the first Dramatic. time I watched Catfish. Yeah. I thought, it can destroy um, people's lives. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought it was gonna, I thought Catfish first time I watched it was going to turn into a horror movie. So when, they, when, when they, they pull up the to barn, the house yeah. and they're in yeah. the dark, I actually yeah. thought this was like a found footage movie. I knew yeah. nothing about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it went to. We've seen Blackfish as well. Yeah. Blackfish is horrible. Blackfish isn't it? Yeah. is really disturbing. It's really, really sad. But I think that's a, that's quite. A, it might be manipulating. It might not. But it's quite. A, it's quite a good documentary. Oh, definitely. But it's yeah. also like posted as well. Like it's actual influence it's had since. Yeah. Like people have yeah. stopped going there. Like the profits have declined. Yeah. It's yeah. had an impact on that's the world really good, around. Though, that's yeah. which is why you, I assume you would want to make a documentary film rather yeah, than another type yeah. of film is to have an impact on the world around you and the mm. subject you're covering. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was having dinner with a friend in Iceland and he ordered whale. He ordered minky whale. I was like, mm. why have you ordered that? And he's like, I'm, I just wanted to taste it. I was like, have you seen blackfish? <laughs> he said, no, I haven't. So while we were waiting for the his whale to come out, I explained the story of blackfish to him and he started getting tears in his eyes. It's quite sensitive. It's a different thing in Iceland <laughs> though, isn't it? Because in Iceland, it's part of their culture to hunt yeah. whale. And because I went to a restaurant where they were serving three different burgers, yeah. whale, puffin, and reindeer, yeah, and I was a bit like, oh, okay, should I? Should I? Yeah, I love experiencing new things, but 
that's a bit odd. Yeah, but the can't. way they explain, I didn't in the end. But the way they explain it to me is that these, yeah. this is part of our culture. We do it in a in a way that is. Um, you know, sustainable. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And that's just punting. The like, idea, the, of, animals the idea of eating a puffin for some reason didn't go down. Well. I was yeah. going to ask you which was the best, but now. <laughs> did, yeah. you actually, did you eat the whale? I didn't know, and but I did. I, I went with some of the like games developers, and they they're like, oh, we've laid on this like big spread for you with these like amazing like Icelandic treats. And we're like, okay, what's that? And they like, didn't. They were like, oh, we'll tell you after. And I thought, well, I shouldn't have eaten it, but I ate it. And they were like, oh, that was puffin. Yeah, like, there's like a shop next door with loads of like nice. Yeah. Toys of puffin, and you're just eating them. They're like, yeah, that's yeah. what we do. You're lucky you didn't try the pissed-on shark. <laughs> no. yeah. Oh yeah, the fermented fermented sh- shark. There's a lot I of ferment. That. that was rank. Yeah. Where'd yeah. you eat in Iceland? Yeah. I suppose you're there for quite a while. <laughs> I was there for a while. Got just a bit. Might as well get used to this. Mm. Yeah. On a four-pound Mars bar. Have you seen um, the Imposter? That was like a really good documentary. It was like two years ago. No, what was that again? You should check that out. So it's about um, a, a kid from Texas that goes missing and turns up uh, like eight years later in Spain yeah and he he sort of it's about both of them pretending that that's he's right yeah. Their, their son, son, yeah. 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 yeah both parties are like benefiting from this there's a great Scientology at the moment as well which I need yeah to watch. Going Clear yeah. Going yeah. Clear is HBO yeah. was it Going Clear yeah and you can't um, I think they might be wrong on this but it's something like they filed a legal injunction so it yeah, can't be brought out in the UK and okay. it's based on a book, is it? It is based and on a book. And the book you can't get <laughs> no. in Waterstones or anywhere because it's banned yeah, in the right. UK. Louis Theroux's making a documentary on Scientology. Oh, yeah, I want And to they've that. reposted yeah, by, they're saying that they're making a documentary about him. Okay. <laughs> so they're released at the same time. If you're going to make one of us, we'll make one about you. Well, this, I want to see the Scientology documentary on Louis <laughs> Theroux. I actually yeah. want to watch the documentary about Louis Theroux. <laughs> yeah. They, they haven't thought this pan through. I want to watch the thing they're making. <laughs> what if they just make a really good documentary about him? They're just like, just, no, nothing bad in it. He's actually like, a great journalist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it'd be pretty intimidating, that, wouldn't it? Yeah. Like, Are you on Twitter at all? I'm not, no. I, I'm, I'm not a social media person. Because yeah. documentaries and leaping, like, um, we both recently read a book by John Ronson called So You've Been Publicly Shamed. Mm. And it's all about social media. Right. And he's also writing a book on cyber. Yeah, I heard a, I heard a yeah. program about this. And yeah, it's, it's about kind of stuff like, that happened. It, because of because of social media, yeah, like people yeah. sending very innocuous tweets, maybe like getting people fired. Yeah, yeah, and look, yeah. looking back, maybe misjudged, like you've phrased that badly, or mm. maybe it's not as funny as you think. And then people finding these tweets, retweeting them, and suddenly their life is like destroyed. Yeah, yeah. you're probably better off out of it. <laughs> I just haven't got time for it. Yeah, I think I, I think for 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 people who who. Don't do this kind of work of yeah. publicising yeah. a movie mm. and and doing interviews and then it's great you get to um, tell the world about yourself and interact with your friends over social media. I've mm. got no problem with it. I think it's a great tool and it's a great work tool. And it's, I I do this for a living, so going and then tweeting about myself afterwards just seems like so much kind of me <laughs> me yeah <laughs> I, oh yeah just had another great interview oh, I was barely <laughs> yeah watch out for that one <laughs> check out three minutes and 19 I'll post I'll post link later goodbye yeah yeah this is some really awful celebrities on Twitter yeah I and also I don't want to I don't want to do a, a fake one yeah yeah that's, that's, that's kind of well. someone else doing it like for a me of saying people, hey like, guys yeah. go and see my film it just seems like insulting any kind of fan base that I have yeah yeah I guess if they're going to go, they're going to go, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> go and see Spooks. It's a wonderful movie. May the 8th. I'll so, tweet that out for you later. Yeah. Yeah. 
Do you want to do your? <laughs> you want to do your? Yes. So. Like this is oh, this is probably the best thing we've ever done. So just okay. to build it up. Don't say that. <laughs> it's not. So it's play a little quiz. Okay. Called bastard or not a bastard. Right. Okay. Uh, and you're gonna give people give me names. Famous historical figures, so we can't get sued. So it's okay. Um, okay, and they're actual bastards. Well, some are and some aren't. That's for you to decide. Uh, okay. Okay. All right. What do I, like, how many are there? There are six. Okay, right. Okay. Let's do it. So first one, Lord Byron. Bastard. Legitimate. So born in wedlock to Captain John Mad Jack Byron and Catherine Gordon. So there we I go. Can't you know you knew all these as well. I knew all this. This is yeah. Going in. Okay. All right. Next one. Confucius. Legitimate. He's a bastard. Oh come on. It's okay. Bastard. It's okay. It's okay. All right. All right. Three. Leonardo da Vinci. Bastard. Don't say Leonardo DiCaprio then. Oh, that's um, number four. Leonardo da Vinci. Mm-hmm. Bastard. Correct. Yes. Out of wedlock, son of wealthy Florentine legal nursery and a peasant. Great. Mm. But from small beginnings. Most educational podcast. From small beginnings. Yeah. Okay. Number four then. Winston Churchill, bastard or not a bastard? Legitimate. He is legitimate. Yeah. yeah. You didn't proud, put any proud. facts there for my. You own. couldn't. You, don't be, need any you, facts. Couldn't, you couldn't. I reckon you wouldn't be able to get to be prime minister at that time if you weren't the real deal. Legitimate. I reckon. Yeah. That's good. That's good thinking behind yeah. there. Um, founding father of um, America, Alexander Hamilton. Bastard. Got it in one. Boom. Fantastic. What is the fact for that? Um, he was the product of an affair. That's product of an affair. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the terminology they use. And he was the author of key economic policies. So even if you're a bastard, you can do that. There you go. <laughs> and final one then, Lawrence of Arabia, bastard or not a bastard? Well, he was he was gentry, wasn't he? He was a, a high-born kind of at that time. High-born. I'm turning into Game yeah, of Thrones world. Nothing, yeah. Technically, so are you, and so is Jon Snow, though. I'm going I'm to gamble and say you finish with a bastard, so bastard. He was a bastard. Yes. He was the illegit- illegitimate son of a knight and his children's nanny. There you go. A knight. The son of a knight. So I think you got four out of six. That's, That's pretty, pretty good. good. That's not bad. Yeah. I know my bastards. Excellent. There you go. <laughs> thank you very much. I think that's a suitable moment yeah, to probably end this really on. Yeah, good, yeah. Um, Great, thank you. Guys. Awesome. Thank you very much. Cool. So John Snow there. Yeah. He's a nice man. He is. He he's knows much, something. Yeah, he's much posher. In real yeah, life. Yeah, because I, I wasn't sure whether well, he, he was northern, northern or not. Oh, yeah. I felt really but northern. acting, eh? And now it's like, played up to him. I'm from the north. He's like, I'm not. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so we, this happened at the weekend, annoyingly after we recorded all the stuff for last week. Probably the biggest story on IGN all month was the kind of new look at Jared Leto as the Joker. Yeah. yeah. Really early. But yeah, really uncontroversial. Everyone loved it. So yeah, moving on to Batman. Yep. Um, <laughs> let's briefly, briefly, we've talked about it loads on site. You can see Joshua and Jim talking about it and stuff on IGN.com. But... It's different, isn't it? it is so different. should we just yeah, go? Should we go different. for like good reactions and then maybe more considered reactions? Yeah, I think okay. those are two different things. Yeah. Okay. Like when I first saw it, because also um, there was a kind of a leaked tweet, and I thought that can't be real. Yeah. And it looks like it probably was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my first reaction was like, Oof, don't particularly like that. But then you never know what it's going to be like in the movie because it's a picture without a performance. Exactly. Allegedly. Um, he might not have tattoos in the film. Right. That's what I heard. That's such I a weird was... thing to do if he yeah, doesn't. I, I think it was it was just a press pick, but yeah, I don't know why. So release it then. Unless it's a test to see whether people 
dug it or not. But right. I think they've started filming. But maybe there's a scene where he has a shirt off and they could go that way. But it's, not, it's on his well, forehead. That's it as well, yeah. It's on yeah. His you, yeah. No. It's on his forehead. And that's the worst one of them all. That is, I think that yeah. is the worst one. I think the main problem with it, which is a problem a lot of people had, is that it's too self aware. Yeah. It's too, it's much too self aware to have ha 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 ha. It's like he knows what he's about. Do you think he went in with a sound mind to a tattoo artist and yeah. was like, can I get my own mouth on my arm? And can I get ha 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 ha? But ha, you know, maybe there shirt. is a storyline explanation as yeah. to how that happens. Like, Again, do you want to know how I got these tattoos? No, not See? like that, Roy. Tattoo artist. <laughs> yeah. But it's like but, um, yeah, I don't know. But also, like, I'm not. I, you know, I think people cited over the weekend. There's a Jim Lee um, Joker that has tattoos as a dragon tattoo, yep. which is almost like a mystery. Like, why do you have this really weird oriental yeah, yeah, yeah. tattoo? Yeah. But I think with the tattoos, is I can't imagine the Joker like sitting still for twelve hours. No. And yeah. so he probably wouldn't if fly from the UK the to face, America, would he? No, he wouldn't. No, no. He just or if he would, it would be like in a big um, chattery teeth. That's what he likes. What he likes chattery teeth, Joe. Why would he fly in a plane? Because it'd be themed, and that would make sense. Hey, David Ayer. <laughs> I think the aerodynamics get off, get off are my movie. It doesn't make any sense. It's not to the me. best thing I've ever said. All right, no, it's not. It's not the best one. It doesn't one. make any sense. It didn't make sense <laughs> in my fly head. Fly from the UK to America in a, in a pair of, of chattery teeth. teeth. Anyway, um, he's also got metal teeth. He has. Yes. What's that about? I think it's all right. Maybe he had a lot of sweets when he was a kid. I like the idea that <laughs> might, his like uh, his like mouth might be weaponized a bit. Like he might like jaws? bite people. Yeah, bite people. I just don't know. Like, it could be brilliant, but at the same time, it could be terrible. When I first saw his like haircut and the treatment there, I thought yeah. he might be a bit like um, the Scott Snyder Batman and the yeah. Capula, where he's almost like very gentlemanly like. Yeah. I thought that'd be a different way to go. But again, I think we should say for context, you know, a year ago, nobody liked the first picture of Quicksilver. Everyone loved that character in that movie. Even if they weren't yeah, still a fan of... The picture is still terrible. Yeah, and the picture <laughs> is still terrible. And, and the character design still terrible. But what but, he did in the movie was cool. Exactly. Yes. So yeah, we yeah, could yeah, still... Yeah. I'm not saying like you in the CCA love the look, but because there's no performance, there's no yeah. scene, there's no dialogue that can make that character scary yeah, or yeah, funny yeah. or whatever. And that's probably going to be a huge part with Jared Leto. Yeah. Like, I think he could definitely but, yeah. pull it off with a good but, performance. Like, and I think even then we'd still say the, the damage tattoo is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. that's just Balls. an odd thing. But going from the Joker to Batman. Or uh, by the picture that's come out this week, Fat Man. Because I think he, looks, <laughs> he just looks really uh, chubby. He's gone a bit too far, hasn't he? Christian Bale had kind of like a, a bulky leanness to him. Uh, this is kind of like the new treatment of Godzilla. He's a bit, he's a bit big. You know, it's not the top half of him. It's the he. Top. He really does look like the Dark Knight Returns one, where he's kind of like just much, much stockier and thick. It's like a pillar. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, a golem. So you're a huge Batman fan, Alex. Mm. What do you think about the suit initially? Uh, I don't mind it. Uh, I like the bat bat um, logo. I think that looks cool. Oh, this is actually a big question for every Batman fan: big ears or small ears? Um, I think it looks very cool with small ears there. Yeah. Um, I, he looks very cool in black and white. I'm not sure about in color. But that's okay because most of uh, the Zack Snyder's yeah, movies probably gonna be are completely saturated. Dark. Oh, did so. you see that over the weekend? The Man yeah. of Steel in colour. Yeah. Yeah. It did look really nice, didn't it? Yeah. It looked a much more um, hopeful movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to look at the kind of. It's hard to say what it's kind of made up of. It looks almost like it's made up of fiberglass or something. I like heard that. someone really say look, also like a bit like gaffer tape. It does look like gaffer tape. Yeah, it's been right. laid, uh, like job. wrinkled. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, he's got a good chin, though, hasn't he? He, he has, he's got, he has got a good chin. So I would say, uh, and for those listening to the audio podcast, we are looking at the poster, which you can find on site. Like, from the head up and the black and white picture, that he was- looks... Like bad, it looks like Batman. Yeah. It, it looks like a very strike. It almost almost like looks like a comic book Batman. And and I think what's not doing it any favors is the black cape behind him is making him look fatter than he really is. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. That's, um, that's why I stopped wearing capes. I think the one of the other opinions people have been expressing is you know going from that to um, the Joker that we've seen and obviously what we know of Superman from Man of Steel. It's like how do all these looks and aesthetics like mm. mesh together? They all seem kind of because obviously he's got the the armored Batman as well. He's got that trailer. in the trailer as yeah. well, and we've seen a picture of Aquaman. Mm. He's mm-hmm. heavily tattooed. Yeah. Uh, no top on. We've seen Wonder Woman. It's like some people are expressing concern that you know, and it's obviously whatever they do, they're going to be compared to Marvel because Marvel got a lot of success yeah. right now, and they've got one guy who's kind of overseeing the thing, and it feels like there's like a brain trust where. Yeah. A lot of sharing is done, so all these things are kept consi- consistent. Yeah. And if you believe what's been said, the reason that Edgar Wright didn't do the Ant-Man film is because it wouldn't be in line with the overall universe. Right. People are expressing concerns that maybe these elements don't feel like they match Right, up. right, right. Do you think there's anything to say, or too early? It's too it's, early. It's, it it's really too it's pictures, early. But I think, you know, because obviously the other news that came out is that, you know, potentially seeing Batman within the Suicide Squad movie... You know, does that Batman fit with that Joker? I don't know. And also following in Nolan's footsteps where everything felt properly believable mm. in some way, shape or form. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not convinced that this is going to hang. I've said this all along. The biggest problem with this or this bunch of films is Zack Schneider. I don't think he's a particularly good filmmaker. It's hard because like, got, like, I'm still trying to be quite realistic. And I, I think it has been confirmed, but like, you've seen the concept art of Killer Croc going around. No. I think that's legitimate. I think okay. it is. Oh, I'm really sorry, everyone, if I'm, I just talking. made this up. But they said they're going to... Yeah, just double, double check that Killer Croc is in Suicide Squad. That's probably something I should know. But um, I haven't heard any news about uh, it. I've probably made that up. Anyway. <laughs> um, well, I think it was different because uh, originally uh, it was reported that he was going to appear in Suicide Squad, but just through CCTV footage, possibly. Right. Like, not have a large uh, role. Batman, yeah. As we saw him... Apparently, at the set in Toronto, it would imply that he does have a bit more of a hands-on role. I think it would be really good for the Suicide Squad movie, because nobody knows what the Suicide Squad is. I, I so didn't really know much I, about them until... I've read bits and bobs, but not, not like a hugely known thing. For that film to have Batman in, yeah. like, people will go, oh, I'll go see that, because yeah, I throw that I'm going to get trailer. 10 minutes of Batman. So Absolutely. Killer Croc is indeed in um, Suicide Squad. Oh. Right. Um, I would pronounce... Um, the actor's name. Oh, I'm not going to... Is he's in... Don't get me yeah, Adewale. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just going to butcher it. But so he was, in, he was in Thor 2. Yeah. Um, but I, I haven't seen anything about concept art. I, I think it... It was just go to images. I think they said it's going to be a mixture of prosthetics and CGI are going to bring him together. Is this a person that looks right. like a crocodile? Is this the idea? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, that's a... You know, suddenly I think from Man of Steel, it felt like we were going to get basically... Yeah, actually, just like Rewind. When we got Man of Steel, it was being sold, like, explicitly as... You know what The Dark Knight was for Batman? Yeah. This is for Superman. Superman, And they love putting Christopher Nolan's name all over that advertising from the man behind The Dark Knight. And then suddenly this has had to do a 90-degree turn and become really more fantastical. Because suddenly you're going to have, like, things like Killer Croc and so on, yeah. I think that's the art. 
So that looks quite a lot like, like Arkham. Arkham, yeah. That's the um, one I saw floating about. I don't know if people can't oh. see it, but if you listen to this podcast and you're on the internet, I think you've probably already seen the rumoured one. Yeah, I saw yeah. a superhero account tweet it out, but I, again, I don't know if that's official. <laughs> just, I feel like we would have run that more if it is. Yeah, I'm not sure if that it's is. Probably also, because he's just wearing like a nice pair of slacks with a pair of braces <laughs> hanging down. It's, it's he kind of looks like weird, rugby. But like, again, that's another crazy thing to be in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to go too serious with all these kind of... Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Like, very colourful I'm characters. looking forward to it. And of course, like, you know, sometimes we get feedback saying we're really down on it. Not down on it, I want it to be good. I've, I, but of course I want it to be good. I've just got this reservation. Yeah. And and because I don't think Zack Schneider's done anything to kind of alleviate that. From I think they could... Do, I think DC could do really well. Instead of having Snyder tweeting out stuff, David Ayer tweeting out stuff, I don't know it's good that the directors are doing it. I think it's a really cool way to communicate these things yeah. and keep people hyped and interested and uh, looking out for this stuff. I think they do really well to have like that one guy who's overseeing the universe, like yeah. the Kevin Feige yeah, type yeah, no. figure. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, like that That's guy not so you can trust. So closely associated to one particular film or two films. Yeah, because if these guys who's... are doing these films, they need yeah. to contras- yeah. concentrate 100% on the yeah, film. I agree. Rather than go, oh, they're going to be using Aquaman, right? We need to make sure that, that should be someone else with a bigger picture and plan. Yeah. You know, you could get someone like a Jeff Johns to do it, yeah. who's like chief creative officer at DC. Like yeah. he works in TV. He worked with Jeff Loeb and stuff like, yeah, I think yeah. he might be a good guy. Well, yeah. do you think it would would work the same way it has with the DC films? Because with Marvel, mostly, with a few exceptions, such as like Daredevil, they all, even though they're about different topics, they all have the same similar style, you yeah. know, of kind of like there is a similar, of fantasy. a similar aesthetic to With DC, I feel like it's a bit more varied. Do you think that it but, could come together mm, like the Marvel I, I think that would be really cool if like each Carrots had a really distinctive like cinematic style to it. I think yeah. that'd be awesome. The only problem you encounter is when you try to do the crossovers and like Justice and League. when you yeah. do Justice yeah. League because you'd have such wildly different treatments and art directions. It's just on screen it would look a bit shambolic. I think. Yeah. yeah. If you had like a really even, dark Batman, yeah, and even, and if, all, got, even like, if each one was brilliant, like really good in its yeah. own right, it just would like it would just look uh, like it was all misaligned. Yeah. But that's like if you look at Bane, for example, and how he was treated in Dark Knight Rises, because yeah. like in a lot of the comic books and even in um, Batman and Robin, uh, what was the first Arkham Asylum, Asylum, Arkham Asylum game? Obviously, he um, gets properly pumped up and goes a bit nuts, whereas he was just a rock hard like nutcase in, yeah, in the film. Like, so it was all terrorist. again. That was quite a nice way of aligning it. Again, yeah. same with the treatment of the Joker. You felt like that could probably been just like yeah. a nut job so I, I feel know. like we're just going so far away from what I thought Man of Steel was doing with yeah. the character like it's which is maybe not a bad thing for Superman maybe it's good like it's going to go a mm. bit more crazy because he'll have like really cool people to yeah. face off but um, yeah because my only other concern and I, and I know you we've said a lot of con- kind of things that are concerning us if Killer Croc is like fully CG like that which he would Presumably, you'd have to be quite CG. I think a lot of the CG in Man of Steel wasn't that great. Yeah. Well, what I saw from the the Batman v Superman trailer uh, didn't look that. I, I'm sure. I know it's very early days because yeah, still yeah. have about a year to go. Yeah. But um, yeah, it did not look look fantastic. There's one scene in particular where Superman is raising a car up, yeah. and I don't know if that was on purpose. That it almost looks like storybook style. It, mm. it didn't look great at all. Yeah. But I mean, as I said, year to go. I know Jurassic Park had problems, which have since been mostly resolved. It looks great, so 
Yeah, yeah. That's probably all they do now is CGI work and probably production. Yeah, be a lot of special effects in that film. Yeah. And removing the Joker's tattoos for a Suicide Squad. Yeah. <laughs> all in post. Backlash. Good. Well, we're going to finish on something that one of us is hugely passionate about. So um, it is... You want to take, do you want to choose this, Rory? Absolutely, yeah. So, Dragon Ball Z, a Sad. very popular TV show. There hasn't been a Dragon Ball TV series for 18 years. Right. Um, which has been a long time to go. They have done... Um, uh, movies. They've made some some movies, yeah. and the whole idea was uh, recently we're going to make some more movies, and if they do well, if they sell well, then we'll consider bringing uh, back Dragon Ball as a TV series. The movies did reasonably well. Everyone was excited. They used some characters from the old shows people liked, like uh, Frieza from Dragon Ball Z, and then they recently announced that they're going to be starting a brand new uh, Dragon Ball TV show called Dragon Ball Super, and I think it's uh, airing in Japan in July which may be simultaneously released uh, in the US and UK, hopefully, yep. because they've been doing that a lot more with popular uh, anime. They'll do them both at the same time. Uh, but it's with the original creators of, of Dragon Ball, which people are really excited about because you know it's one of the most popular ones. And uh, it follows on from Dragon Ball Z, so right after that. Because yeah. after Dragon Ball Z, they did do some other shows, and they weren't that great. Yeah. yeah. So what is it about Dragon Ball uh, Z? Zed that gets you so excited Um, well I think for me and for a lot of people it's the nostalgia factor Uh, a lot of us watched it as a kid we kind of grew up in the age of uh, Toonami so it was kind of Dragon Ball Z uh, Pokemon Mm -hmm. like a lot of these big shows that were kind of being brought over here Beyblades as well Uh, growing up uh, uh, kids watching these TV shows and it just became like such a huge part of our lives that went away I kind of view it as the equivalent of, imagine if... It's like Only Fools and Horses. I, I don't really... No, sorry. <laughs> no. I, I was going to say, I was going to say, imagine if um, if they start making uh, Pokemon games after like Pokemon Yellow or Pokemon. Mm-hmm. So it's something you didn't have as a kid yeah, and then maybe yeah. like I mean, this year they were like, we're going to do Pokemon again. Which is, it's crazy. It's really cool. Is the new series going to be a continuation or is it going to be like a soft reboot for people who've no, never seen say, it? No, they say, well... Um, after Dragon Ball Z, they did have a continuation, which was it was called Dragon Ball GT, that no one really liked These it. These names are awful. I know. Well, I think it's probably due to translation. It just sounds like a bunch of different cars. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it really does, yeah. I've just bought the uh, Dragon Ball Z, uh, 0-60, 4.5 miles an hour. Uh, like the GT. I can't speak. Car bounce a bit. This is why we're not going to be taking over Top Gear anytime no. soon. Um, but totally uh, Dragon Ball Z was the most popular one and this is going to be continuing on from where they left off in Dragon Ball Z so it's very exciting for me and for a lot of people who grew up kind of watching the show um, I don't know if you've ever seen it before I've never seen I've an never episode seen of no. Dragon Ball Just, Z I'm trying to imagine uh, a team of Dan Kilby's who can <laughs> fly just fighting other Dan Kilby's what, and, and destroying other people destroying like planets crazy marketing speak yeah absolutely as he does metaphorical <laughs> planets he listens, planets he listens to integrated marketing podcasts does while, he while at the gym. oh those can't hell be, yes those can't be fun well, that is a way to spend just what, is it just stats and like yeah getting pumped mate <laughs> oh that would be awful so if I was to watch Dragon Ball Z where should I start uh, well just it is notoriously a difficult show to get into <sighs> When they, you're, not, kind of, you're not selling sorry, it to yeah, me, right? yeah. It's kind of funny when they when uh, they brought it over um, and localized it for the US and things. They started with Dragon Ball Z, but they gave 
no justification. They like explained none of the backstory of any of the characters and things like that. So, but they started airing it to like all these kids. So it's like you would watch the first episode and you have no idea who any of these people are or like what's going. It's like being thrown in the middle of a TV show and then you just kind of pick your way back up again. Hmm. But um, I think a safe bet, uh, because it's obviously progressed, maybe give the new show a chance. Straight because the new I assume show. they'll do a bit more for fans who haven't yeah, seen it before. A reintroduction in, into the universe. Exactly, because it's been yeah. quite a while. Um, but I think hopefully it'll be a good place to start off. Are you going to watch Alex? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> and that's that's no <laughs> judgment on your pitch. I think it's really good. No, it's it not really my thing. See, I'm not listening to enough sales podcasts. This is what that's I need. What you to, need. I need yeah, to you need to, to drape for it. You need to like, just like, make them want it. See, I've just finished Daredevil. I'd watch the second season of that, but I'm not sure about Dragon Ball. Okay. Vastly it, different. We, different things for different people. I know. It's so, all right. People yeah. can have different... Different frogs, different Who times. would win in a fight? Daredevil or is it Goku is the one of the Goku characters? Goku would probably win. Oh, why? Please. Well, he can fly. Uh, he, can, he can teleport. Daredevil's taking down people who can He's, teleport and fly in the past. He blew up a mate. planet before. Like an entire planet. That's cheating. <laughs> um, Daredevil will kick his ass, mate. Anyway, I, who do you think would win? Let's put it to the listeners. If you, who would win? Matt Murdock, aka Daredevil, or yeah, Goku, Goku. Uh, or Roku, even. Um, email us at IGN <laughs> underscore UK feedback at IGN dot com. Yeah. yeah. Uh, are we ever going to change that email address? Uh, Did we not too, too much work? I have to contact IT, don't Yeah, we have to send an email to do it. Oh, no, we're not doing that. And their, <laughs> no. their email address is even no. worse. So, uh, but if it. you want to, yeah, you, you tweet our IT department if you can find them. Um, but, if, of course, the podcast, you can watch it on IGN.com. And if you yeah. don't even go to IGN, if you like this podcast, there's lots of stuff on there that's similar to this about stuff. Sorry have about that. Have I sold it? <laughs> uh, that's IGN.com. And um, I've been Daniel. You've been... Ah! You've been... Ah! I'll see you next week. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.